Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. The NFL draft is less than a month away, and it is Masters Week. So if you want to place a bet on any of the sports action, betonline.ag is the place to do it. Uh, You know, for sure, I'm going to put a lot of money on betonline.ag with Tigers. Tiger Woods coming into the platform. So that's what I'm going with. But make sure y'all go to betonline.ag, man. I know the Masters right around the corner. So I'm going to walk to it since it's not too far from me and bet online. And the action is going to be well underway by the time our listeners and viewers hear this, though. But I love Augusta and all of the greenery. So, again, betonline.ag is the place you want to go. If you want to place a bet on any of the action, you can use your desktop or mobile device to place a bet. You can also receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started. Bet online where the game starts. All right, cue the music. It's time to start the show. Welcome to the Believe in Steelers show on the Believe Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by my guy, two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, number 24, Ike Taylor. IT, I'm absolutely psyched to talk to you today because we're finally getting into our breakdowns position by position of the top rookies in the 2022 NFL draft. But we begin Stefan Diggs signing a massive contract extension Ike, good morning. How you doing today, my man? Man, I'm good. Stephon Diggs, which we saw early this morning, did a four-year deal, 100. Four for 104, 70 guaranteed. So I guess that'll keep him in Buffalo until it's time for him to retire with Josh Allen. I mean, golly, Mark, why my mom and my dad ain't waiting till like 10 years later to have his baby, man, because these boys getting paid the 100-plus piece. <laughs> Ike, and I'll say this, it has been a marriage ever since Diggs came over and got traded to the Bills. In my opinion, this really sets the market for Deontay Johnson, who's in the final year of his rookie deal because we've seen receivers get paid this offseason. Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and now Stephon Diggs. If Johnson continues to play at a similar level, I'd imagine he'll fetch a similar salary, whether it's through the Steelers or another team, because we've seen this uh, receiver market this offseason absolutely explode. Yeah, it's, it's, if, if you're a top-tier receiver, if you're that Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, um, Tyreek Hill, if, you, if you're in that category, you're going to get over the 100 piece. You know, that's why I feel kind of sorry, not feel kind of sorry. That's why I feel sorry for OBJ, because I felt like OBJ, I don't think OBJ would have got the 100, but he was on his way, I thought, in my mind, to being the Super Bowl MVP if he didn't get hurt. So he was going to get paid a lot. But if you look at these receivers and what they're getting paid now, Mark, these boys doing over 100, easy if you're the top tier in the NFL. <laughs> and I, <laughs> we just need a time machine to put you back in time, and then that way you can double your coin. I, I, I know what we need to do here. 
Oh, 100 percent man. If my mom would have had me two years later, I would have been a 200 million dollar baby. Easy. <laughs> Wouldn't have been money Joe Hayden. It would have been money Ike Taylor. I know. I'm trying to get some sugar from Lex. She playing though. <laughs> Hi, Mark. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. And it's a full listen. We got a full ensemble show. But Ike, we had to get to this information just breaking just before the show. I always like when we have breaking news because it's, you know, our instant reaction. And the first thing I thought of again, given that. Deontay Johnson entering the final year of his rookie deal did make right. the Pro Bowl eventually because Jamar Chase played in the Super Bowl. So Steelers are going to have a decision to make because there have been rumblings that they want to extend Minka Fitzpatrick to shore in the back end of the secondary. But then we got Deontay Johnson. And the reason why I think that the Steelers can more easily replace receivers given their track record to draft and develop young receivers. But the issue I have is the depth at the receiver position right now for the Steelers, because you know what you're getting in Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, hopefully can go back to his rookie ways uh, in year two, just there wasn't the same level of production as his rookie year. But then beyond those two players, remember Juju Smith Schuster is gone. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod is gone along with James Washington. So the Steelers I'd imagine are going to address the receiver position in the 2022 draft. Ike. But that's what makes this all the more critical because you might need to pay Deontay Johnson a little bit more money or come to terms with him. Given that is a position where last year I felt like was probably where the Steelers were the deepest. And now you have two solid players for sure. But beyond that, a lot of question marks. Yeah, I, I just I just don't get why would I leave money on the table? You know, if if I'm one of these young guys and I'm seeing the stuff on Biggs get paid and I'm seeing a Tyree, Devontae, if, if I'm seeing all these guys getting paid, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, like there is no offseason for me. You know, so I'm looking at Chase Claypool, it shouldn't be an offseason. I'm looking at Deontay, it shouldn't be an offseason. Cause man, I'm talking about a, a hundred million dollars. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Like it, I can be that guy and get over a hundred. Why would I want to short cut, cut myself off of making money? The NFL owners, I, I don't think these young guys understand. First of all, they they they, they paying you coming to training camp to see how you look and you in shape. I didn't get paid off of goddamn uh, interceptions. I got paid by being consistently in shape, being on the being on the field, not getting hurt. Shutting down the team's number one receiver. That's what I got paid. But when I took my shirt off in training camp, and when the coaching staff saw how well of a shape I'm in, and when the conditioning test, I was yawning at the conditioning test, they were like, man, who the hell is this little young guy? Then they wind up putting me on the field, and more, the more reps I got, the better I got. But the only reason why I got the reps is because, one, I got in my playbook. Two, I never had an offseason. You know, I work, I work 365. So that's what I'm saying. Like, these young kids, they just leaving money on the table, you know. And the ones who figure it out early, they stealing their money. The stuff on days, like, you know what? Let me just work out 10 years, have no offseason, be selfish, and have generational wealth. Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, you know what? Let me just be selfish for 10 years. My family going to be pissed off. A lot of people going to be pissed off. I'm going to bust my butt in the offseason. We're going to be straight for the rest of our lives. How you don't think about that? So these young kids, they think about the moment. They can't wait to the offseason. They can't wait to go to California. They can't wait to do a lot of stuff that doesn't pertain to football. 
<laughs> and it's not helping their pockets. You know, and the ones who do get it fast, and that's usually the ones who have families. The ones who do get it fast and have kids. The ones who do get it, they understand, man. I don't want to play. I don't want to play football for long. Nowadays, these kids playing eight to ten years. They saving all their money because they're making a lot of money. They leaving early. That's exactly what they're doing now. But how you don't get it? How you don't see everybody getting? That's why AB won't come back. ABC, ABC, and these boys getting a hundred million. They just ain't gonna let him back, cause off he act, how he act. But I, I just, I just, and the reason why I'm talking about this is because me and my son, we talk about this like, my son like, Dad, I'm gonna get five hundred million. I'm like, holy moly! <laughs> I said, man, just make sure you take care of your mama. <laughs> <laughs> make sure, you, but you know it. He he works, but he saw me work. At the time, we was getting paid, but we wasn't getting paid. With these boys getting paid, these boys said, four for 104, Mark, 70 guaranteed. He just got he just got paid leaving the Vikings, Stephon Diggs. But I told myself I'd never leave money on the table. Y'all not going to cut me because I make, oh, I don't know how to act in the offseason as a professional. That's why y'all not going to cut me. When I come in, I'm going to be in hella shape. I'm going to be well-conditioned. I'm gonna keep my nose clean for the most part, and uh, I'm gonna outwork everybody. That's that's they they pay they pay you to stay in shape. But it's so many words. They pay you to stay in shape. Just think about that. Just think about it. We pay you to stay in shape. That's as simple as it gets when it comes down to the offseason. I'm sorry. Of, no, no. A lot of wisdom there of 12 years of experience in the league, Ike. And how many other players can say that? How many other players can say that with the franchise as well regarded as the Pittsburgh Steelers? Again, going back to this Diggs deal, see what Deontay Johnson gets because Johnson was fifth in the league in receptions in the 2021 season. If he has a similar performance in 2022, you talk about getting paid, Ike. Again, whether it's the Steelers, someone else is going to pay Deontay Johnson that money if he replicates his production from this past season. Right, right. Ike, we're going to get to the portion of the show I'm most excited about. Top five rookie quarterbacks. So we're going to start with quarterbacks, then we'll go to running backs. And you've got the local kid, Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh, as your number one quarterback in the 2022 NFL draft. Yeah, I got KP, um, Kenny Pickett, probably my only first-round quarterback, to be honest with you. So just, just watching the tape. Um, it was just his pocket presence. It was it was him looking at the Miami game, the Duke game, him uh, seeing the corner blitz, him seeing the fire zone blitz. The fire zone blitz meaning a, a guy coming right down the middle to shoot. Him standing in the pocket and delivering the ball. That's what caught my eye. Okay, when a guy was when a guy's about to get hit, is he gonna take and bite the bullet just to deliver the ball? That's exactly what Kenny Pickett did. Then I looked at, okay, man, let, let me see if he can roll to his right and throw across his body left to the other hash. That's exactly what he did. Then I said, man, let me see how athletic Kenny Pickett is. He's more athletic and more faster than what you thought. Okay, man, let me see what the red zone passes look like in between the 20-yard line going into the touchdown. He threw that thing on a tightrope. I said, okay, man, let, let, me, let me see if he can call audibles. And that's exactly what he did later on in the season. So I said, dang, man, Kenny, Kenny Pickett, man, like, 
he's not as athletic as a Malik Willis and a few of these other guys, but he's athletic enough to rock you to sleep. <laughs> if you watch the game from Wake Forest, how he how he faked his slide and then he pulled off and, and scored a touchdown, that's a high IQ <laughs> to be able to do that on the fly. So Kenny Pickett, for me, man, and then when you look for a quarterback, you look for a quarterback who plays in the cold weather because usually your playoff teams, they come from well the cold weather. You're talking about the city of Pittsburgh. That's exactly what Kenny Pickett did. You know, city of Pittsburgh, cold weather when it comes down. Anything after September is getting cold. By the time it hit Halloween, go out on the bundle up in Pittsburgh because you ain't going to see the sun that often. So for me, man, it was Kenny Pickett. Out of, out of six guys, we'll get to these six or five later because we're talking about Kenny Pickett. I had Kenny Pickett first. And this is one of the reasons why I had Kenny Pickett. He threw better throwing to his left across his body better than anybody I've seen. And for me, that's hard to do. You know, rolling left, rolling left, rolling right. So, you know, when I look at that, that's why I look at the quarterback. Also, when I look at the red zone. When I look at the red zone, you can deliver because it's tight windows in the red zone and you don't really have time to think. You got to think ASAP and you really got to trust yourself. That was Kenny Pick consistently. So that's why I had him going number one. For me, and I only had him going in the first round for the 2022 draft. And we have a great nickname for him now as well, Ike, Fake Slide Pickett. From now <laughs> until the end of his career. I always like the players that are savvy enough to figure out a flaw in the game and to take advantage of. And they change the rules to outlaw that fake slide in college football. Like right. you said, Ike, very savvy. 241 yards rushing on the ground and five scores. So, again, yeah. he's not a running quarterback, but he'll take what he can here and there, a 4.73 in the 40-yard dash. I, one question I have about Pickett, we'll move on to the next quarterback that I have for you, is that is there any level of concern that you have considering in Pickett's final year of his season with Pittsburgh, he had much higher level production than any of his previous four years at Pittsburgh? Yeah, I mean that's that's what you want to see. You want to see a, a guy on the rise. It's 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 hard to have one good season and then you kind of fall off. And for me, uh, we'll talk about him. That's Sam Howell, the quarterback from North Carolina. But when you look at Pickett, you want to gradually see a guy just get better every year, and that's exactly what Pickett did. Um, Pickett, far as like mechanic wise, when I looked at his mechanics, when I look at his throwing, um, the way he threw the ball, his delivery, like. He doesn't have a super strong arm. For me, he has a Tom Brady-ish kind of arm. It's not super strong, but it's super accurate. And when you got a guy who can throw to a running back coming out on a swing pass and he doesn't throw it too hard, he puts a, he puts a nice touch on it, that was Kenny Pickett. So for me, Kenny Pickett, it was all his throws. Like, all his throws wasn't bullet throws. He had some finesse on a lot of his throws, and he was very accurate at the same time. The most accurate to me when it came down to the draft for QBs. Yeah, and I, the reason I asked that question, 42 touchdown passes this last season. His previous, high, his previous high before this past year was 13 touchdown passes. So he had a huge jump this past season as the quarterback at Pittsburgh. Let's new, move to your number two quarterback guy. And this was surprising to me, Carson Strong out of Nevada. What did you see from Strong? Because this surprised me, Ike. So when I looked at Carson Strong, I don't know if people can go back. They can YouTube this guy. His name was uh, Drew Bledsoe. Played for the New England Patriots before Tom Brady was Tom Brady. Tom Brady had to sit behind Drew Bledsoe for a couple of years. But when I look at 
Carson Strong for me going 6'3", 215, 217. Out of everybody, he's just a pure pocket passer. He do not want to leave the pocket. So when you have a guy who can leave the pocket but don't want to leave the pocket, man, he already know where he going before the ball even snap because his IQ is that fast. And for, for, for me, when I saw Carson, he has to have tight ends like he had at Nevada. He has to have wide receivers like he had at Nevada. And those were jump ball guys. Guys are going to go because he's going to let the ball rip. He's going to trust. He's going to throw the ball up. He's going to trust that his tight ends or his uh, big so-called power forward receiver is going to come down with the ball. Now, the best fault, the best fade throwing, the best back shoulder quarterback out of everybody. And when and when I mean when I mean the red zone, he's just gonna back shoulder the hell out you, and he's gonna throw the ball up on the outside. That's exactly what he gonna do. And for me, I looked at Carson Strong when I was watching tape on everybody. Mark, I said, "Dang, this dude don't mind throwing in between the hashes, cause that's all he do. <laughs> he throw a tight bullet right in between the hashes. Um, not as mobile or athletic, athletic any of these guys we're going to mention." But when you want to talk about just a pure passer, mechanics, just purity, okay, this guy, God dropped this man to be on the earth just to be a quarterback in the NFL, this is Carson Strong. And the reason why he's not getting the, the, the recognition he needs to get, I think because he played at Nevada. But if you pop in the tape and see this man throw the ball, man, he is fearless throwing the ball. He's Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball because he trusts his receivers or his tight ends that well. But um, what how, how I looked at it for Carson Strong, man, he just um, – I had him – I looked at him last because he was number six. So, but now I went, once I started watching Tate Mark, I said, you know what, for me this guy is the second best, you know, quarterback in the draft out of everything he's looking for. Uh, and he throws the best deep ball throwing over his shoulder, the best deep ball. So I thought I thought that was hard. Usually, if you're right-handed and you're looking right, you can just easily throw a nice little soft deep ball going to your right. But it's hard to throw across your body going left. And he threw some of the best deep passes, you know, going across his body to the left-hand side. So for me, Carson just uh, Carson Strong just checked a lot of boxes. Um, anybody who picks up Carson Strong from Nevada, it's going to be more than a steal. It's going to be a I told you so kind of deal. You heard it here first on Believe in Steelers from none other than Ike Taylor, the one and only. I'll say this. You mentioned the lack of mobility. The question that I have is the status of his knee. Two right. knee surgeries. So mobility, will that be an issue with regards to his knee? Will his mobility be better because that knee has been surgically repaired? A little bit of a question mark that I have about Carson Strong, but I hear what you're saying in terms of his ability as a passer. And that, to me, the knee, potential red flag there, Ike. But given modern medicine, it's not as big of an issue as, say, it were 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago. We didn't right, have right. just the same, the same medicine, the same rehab processes, the same surgeries to where players can much more easily bounce back. Now, at number three, you have Malik Willis from Liberty. And for a lot of people... Willis is the most polarizing player in the draft. 
I don't think it's any secret that our beloved Pittsburgh Steelers absolutely love Malik Willis. And I saw yesterday when I was at the gym, Ike, that Todd McShay in his latest mock draft has Pittsburgh selecting Willis with the 20th overall pick. He's your number three quarterback. What did you see from Willis? Yeah, I compare Malik to a a Deshaun Watson, but not as polished coming out of college as a Deshaun Watson. Um, When you look at his mobility, I thought he was probably the most mobile out of everybody. His his athletic ability, I thought he was the most athletic out of everybody. As far as like speed-wise, I didn't think he had the speed like a Deshaun Watson because I think a Deshaun Watson is a very unique and different quarterback. But when you want to do some kind of comparison, that's exactly who I saw. You know, he wasn't Deshaun like Deshaun was at Clemson. But when you want to talk about, okay, who has the most upside, I think Malik Willis has the most upside. And he, he's another one. Um, he sat in the pocket a few times, but uh, he would rather run. He would rather run than take than bite the bullet. So that was the question mark for me because I know in the NFL sometimes you're just gonna have to bite the bullet. Um, his pocket presence for me is okay. I think he's a project. I think he needs to sit a year. I don't think he should come in and start right away. That's just off of what I saw because the level of competition of him playing at Liberty. Um, when you get to the NFL, I'm not going to say it's a culture shock, but, man, it's totally different. The things are moving way fast. The guys are bigger, stronger, and fast at the same time. So I think if you give this man a year, man, he can kind of get accustomed to and he'll get a chance to diagnose what it is in his playbook, what it is, the speed of the game. Then I think the following year, he'll be exactly what he needs, where he needs to be. Um, I think nowadays, these uh, unless you're special, these offensive coordinators, these coaches always want to prove a point quick. Um, I know I know a Super Bowl caliber quarterback in Big Ben. He's going to the Hall of Fame. He sat. I know Aaron Rodgers. He uh, sat behind Brett Favre. He won a Super Bowl. I know Patrick Mahomes sat behind Alex Smith. He won a Super Bowl. I know Tom Brady. He sat behind, you know, Drew Bledsoe. He won a Super Bowl. So for the most part, I think some of these OCs and these head coaches need to get back into grooming these young quarterbacks then starting them ASAP because they feel like their job on the line. But for, for me, Malik Willis, of course, Coach Tomlin and Kevin Cole would love this guy to sit down. And, you know, Malik, and you watch Malik interview, he talking about Coach T was eating chicken wings. Like, there ain't no Coach T was known. I thought I thought Coach T was going to order filet mignon. He wound up ordering some spicy, you know, Parmesan chicken wings. But if you just look at Malik, man, when you want to talk about the upside, the upside is very high. I just think mechanically-wise, he has a lot to work on and improve. I wouldn't come in and use him as a starter. I'll wait till next year. But just a good kid overall in general for the level of play on how he played. Then I think he just kind of wowed everybody at the combine in his pro day, you know. But when you sit down and watch that tape, you still see a few things he needs to work on when it comes down to buttoning up and grooming him as a, as a quarterback. But you can just tell and what you look at is how his teammates respond when he celebrates. You know, so when he did throw touchdowns, when he when he did run for touchdowns, his teammate rallied behind, rallied around him. And when I see that as a quarterback, I'm like, okay, the team plays for him. He's a team guy. Because you can, you can see a few times, uh, even in the NFL, and we're talking about the Cleveland Browns, everything that Baker Mayfield is going going through right now, nobody, none of his teammates are rallying behind him. So it says a lot when a guy, you know, has a lot of success, but his teammates feel like, that he feels is not about him, it's about us. And that's what I saw in Malik Willis. And then when you meet his parents and then when you talk to him, you know, him helping other people when they get to the combine, him helping clean up 
uh, him talking about his mom and his dad. It's just a lot of things you just like about Malik. So that's why I had Malik Willis as at, at number three when it came down to this quarterback and these quarterback positions for the 2022 draft. I think he's a second-round draft pick. I think he's a project. But I do think he has the best upside out of all of them that we're going to talk about today. In my notes as well, like I had that he could benefit from sitting for a year, a three-star prospect from Atlanta, started mm-hmm. his college career at Auburn, backing up Jared Stidham, and then Correct. played at Liberty and Hugh Freeze's. It's a heavy RPO offense, which there's more and more of that in the league now, Ike, and we always talk right. about the importance of quarterbacks in the modern era and the importance that they need to have mobility to extend plays. You see the touchdown to interception ratio, but then I see nearly 200 carries, 108, uh, uh, 878 yards on the ground, 13 rushing touchdowns in 13 games. So he can get it done on the uh, with his legs as well. If he can figure out, you know, how to diagnose, how to read defenses. Again, that's why I think he could benefit from sitting, learning, waiting, and learning under a veteran, and then coming onto the scene. I'm very, very excited to see what he can do at the NFL level. And speaking of a court, go ahead, Ike, and then we can go to our next quarterback. No, I agree. I, I said agreed. I agree with you. Speaking of another quarterback that utilized a heavy RPO system in college, Ike, Ole Miss's Matt Corral, dual threat quarterback, slender frame strong whip-like arm, but I will say this too, coming off that ankle injury in the Sugar Bowl, but I like that he played with this team. You see a lot of players where if they're not in the college football playoff game, they decide if I have an NFL future, I'm not going to play with my teammates anymore. And I like that he says, and he, he was asked about this, that he does not regret playing with his college teammates in the bowl game, giving everything that they did at Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin. So I, I like that he doubled down and was confident in his decision, despite the fact that he had that ankle injury. Corral did not throw at the combine either. Yeah, that's tough. Um, it just depends on who it is when it comes down to that. Uh, I look at my son in his position. If it came down to that, then my son would have to make a business decision. Uh, and, I'll let, and I'll let him decide on what he want to do. I wouldn't persuade him or try to entice him. Um, that's his That's his future. That's his life. And I just support him regardless on where that goes. So for Matt, for him to, you know, you know, mess up his mess up his leg in a in a, in a bowl game, that's kind of tough. But what I did like about Matt and what is kind of kind of kind of funny, he has an unorthodox throwing pattern. You know, you use the word whipping it, and that's exactly what he does when he throws the ball. He kind of whips the ball. Um, for me. I looked at Matt as like a third round, late second round draft pick. One, because of the injury. Two, because he was too inconsistent in throwing it in the tight windows. Uh, The guy had to be wide open instead of throwing him open. That's how I looked at it with uh, with Matt. Then I looked at who he's throwing it to. He threw it to the – he threw it coming out the backfield a lot. You know, a lot of of his long passes – letting the running back come on swing passes and the running back either scoring a 50-yard touchdown or, or a 30-40 yard game coming out of the backfield. So for me, man, like you say, it was a lot of RPOs. Um, he does has the size. We'll see how it is when it comes down to the mobility part. For me, he didn't show a lot of mobility because he he doesn't mind sitting in the pocket, which is a good thing. But I think he's another product. You know, I think he had to sit, um, not only sit, 
because of the speed of the game, but just said because of the injury that he just had. You know, I think sometimes you need to give that body a rest. So for me, man, this draft class for the running, I mean, for the uh, quarterbacks, it was cool. But how I looked at Matt, man, uh, he's a tough son of a gun. He has, he does have speed, and he don't mind running the ball, especially when it gets down to the red zone. He don't mind putting his head down and trying to run you over, even though he can't. <laughs> so you like the toughness, <laughs> quarterback. So um, for me, man, ain't ain't nothing wrong with sitting. But for for Matt, the reason why I had him at number four one was because of his injury, two because of his unorthodox throwing pattern. Like you said, you kind he kind of whipped the ball, but uh. Man, it was just the inconsistency for me throwing in the tight windows in the red zone. Yes, Ike. And I'll say this, too. Uh, we do have a little bit more breaking news we'll get to here in just a second here on the show. But uh, Matt, Matt Corral, um, again, that ankle injury, again, I go back to, I think it was like Leonard Fournette was the first player to do that and say, hey, I'm not going to play in my team's bowl game, mm-hmm. which was very unprecedented. Now it's very, very common. But I, I wish Corral all the best in the league, just considering he decided, like, you know, you put so much blood, sweat, tears, and hard work in. And right. for him to play that final Sugar Bowl game with his college teammates, to me, says a lot about the character of someone who's going to be potentially be your quarterback. I, I also need to compliment you, too, I appreciate the grades that you're giving these quarterbacks because, okay, this guy's a, say, a second, third, fourth round grade. I do think that there's going to be a premium on the quarterback position. This is not a strong quarterback class by all accounts. And so I think that there are teams that might have to reach a bit and draft a quarterback who might normally grade in most seasons in later rounds, but there's just not a whole lot of quarterback talent available as compared to previous drafts. So I appreciate you including that bit of information in. We'll go to our next quarterback, Sam Howell from North Carolina, Ike. And he reminds me of Baker Mayfield, but not just because of his on-field play. His better seasons were earlier in his career at North Carolina when he had uh, his star receivers, Daz Newsom, Deami Brown, now in the NFL. And then don't forget the running backs that he had not in the 2021 season, but in the 2020 season, who are now NFL running backs, Javante Williams and Michael Carter. So Williams with the Broncos, Carter with the Jets as well. When everything was right around Howell, and this is the comparison I'm making to Mayfield, he looked great. But this past season, he didn't have as much talent. He didn't look as good. That's why I'm going to make the comparison to Mayfield, not just the play. So Sam Howell, to me, um, physical like a Tim Tebow, Swagalicious like a Baker Mayfield. And everything for him had to be on point. The running game had to be on point and had to have a good tight end. Um, what I did like about Sam was Sam threw a, a hell of a deep ball. He puts enough air under that ball to let his receivers have enough speed and go run and catch it. Uh, he's way stronger than what you think. I think he's the strongest out of all the quarterbacks. If you read some of the Clippers, on what his head coach and his weight room coach said. They said they can't get him out of the weight room. And then when you watch him run the down ball to run linebackers and safety over, you see exactly why. Uh, he 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 can if they need him to be. He can't play a fullback or a tight end because he doesn't mind <laughs> contact at all. That's what Sam brings to the table. It was just the inconsistency. It was just him starting off fast at North Carolina, having the two good running backs who are now in the NFL, having some 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 good tight ends. 
he just came into a situation where he really didn't have to do too much. He just had to get the ball in his playmakers' hands. Then when he lost his playmakers, it's just like where Sam Howard. And that's exactly – it's the opposite on what happened to Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett gradually got better every year, whether it was mechanics, throwing the ball, seeing the field, the game slowing up to him. For me, uh, Sam Howell was kind of opposite. He started off fast. The game was easy. The reason why the game was easy for him, to me, because he had a, a boatload of talent around him early. So once the talent left him and it was all on him, I think he had, I think he had, uh, had it, <clears throat> excuse me, hit a speed bump and uh, his mechanics didn't look right. His process of, of diagnosing the plays didn't look as fast as it should be. But no, one thing you can't take away from Sam, man, Sam got a hell of an arm and he got a hell of a deep ball. It's just, uh, I think now it was a late third round draft pick. But again, Mark, you hit it on the head, man. Teams might reach because just, just, just off of necessity when it comes down to it. So I'm saying third, somebody might get them in the early second. You just never know. So I just saw what Sam brought to the table. Sam, Sam physicality as a quarterback is a Tim Tebow-ish for me. Sam's personality, swag delicious is a Baker Mayfield. Um, but he, he has a lot to work on. This could be a couple of this could be a couple of years to a three-year deal with Sam. You know, when it comes down, he he has to sit behind a quarterback uh who has a Russell Wilson type. He sits behind a Russell Wilson. And you give him a couple of years to groom, then maybe. But for the most part, man, you can't take away uh, Sam love for the game. When you see when you see a quarterback who wants to dish out punishment, that's the love for the game. So Sam, for me, man, uh, he's going to be a late third round draft pick in my mind. In my mind, still has a lot of things to develop. And for me, it's diagnosing the play before it happens because he has so much talent at an early age when he went to North Carolina. Then when his talent left. It kind of was hard on them diagnosing plays. Ike, the business idea I have, Swagalicious, print the T-shirts. You know, men's medium, I'll send my address. <laughs> I got you. The breaking news that I teased to before that we have, the Steelers are going to be meeting with both Sam Howell in Pittsburgh this week in pre-draft interviews. And then your sleeper pick among the quarterbacks, Ike, Cincinnati's Desmond Ritter as well. So, they will the, the Pittsburgh Steelers will meet with both quarterback process again. That'll be part of the pre-draft interview. Still a lot of time between now and April the 28th, which is when the first round of the draft gets underway. But Ritter was your sleeper pick from Cincinnati, Ike. And 48 career starts in his college career at Cincinnati, a 13-1 and record, had an appearance in the college football playoff. I thought we saw versatility from Ritter. He did a little bit of everything. And he's sneaky fast, Ike, a 4-5-2-40. And, and, like, look, like I kind of liken it to Josh Allen isn't traditionally a running quarterback, but late in the season when the Bills say, we're all in, we're trying to win the Super Bowl, cut loose. I'm not saying Ritter is going to be Josh Allen, but what I'm saying is, is that is what is required of the quarterback position in 2022 and beyond in the NFL. You've got to be able to make plays with your legs, extend plays with your legs, and then make a defender miss when it counts late in the season. And so I, I, I like Ritter's your sleeper pick. What did you see him at the, in, in him at the quarterback position? Uh, he's a Marcus Mariota. He's a long, he's a long strider. You know, when I looked at Ritter, uh, it two steps for him is four steps for you. 
You know, so if he take his two steps fast, it's it's bye bye, it's good night. But then when you look at a man six three, two eleven, um, kind of slender build up in Cincinnati, and we talk about kids who are coming at the quarterback position from the cold weather. So if you just look at the cold weather teams, Kenny Kenny Pickett, cold weather Pittsburgh, Malik Willis, Liberty, cold weather. Um, Nevada gets it gets cold at night, but you wouldn't think, but it is a desert, and we all know that because you just left from coming off a nice little back party <laughs> of Las Vegas. But Cincinnati, you know how cold it gets in Cincinnati, period. So when I looked at Ritter, I looked at a Marcus Mariota. And I think Marcus Mariota and, and, and the Mike Vicks and the guys who were super athletic early um, early on in their career, offensive coordinators didn't know how to adjust to them. But now offensive coordinators, this is exactly what they put into the offense, these RPOs. And I think Ritter will fit perfect. And these RPOs, it just depends on what offense coordinator he goes to. If the offense coordinator want to adjust their playbook, like Lamar Jackson sitting over there with the Baltimore Ravens, if you want, if they want to adjust their playbook and and and, and maximize with the quarterback that they have sitting behind the helm. But Ritter, for me, oh, he just a dog. That's that's what it was. That's that's what it popped off. Um, he has a lot of stuff he needs to work on, but it's 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 something that you can uh. You can't coach, and that's being a damn dog. That's being I don't give a what attitude. Now him himself, he would throw the ball up. So you, if you would have put him with a with a LA Chargers or him having power fours at a wide receiver position, he just gonna let that thing slant. <laughs> that's exactly what it did. He has a I don't give a what attitude. Mechanics was okay, but when you got a guy who's just passionate about football. Um, you can work on everything else because he's going to be the first one in and the last one out. So he's another guy I'm looking in the third round as well, but I think he'll be a gem for sure. And I think Carson Carson Strong will be a steal. I think uh, I think uh, Ritter will be a gem for sure. So we've been talking about this on this show, man. I think it's only one first round, mm-hmm. you know, quarterback, and that's Kenny Pickett. In, in my mind, in my, my personal opinion off of what I saw. But Ritter for sure, he'll be a steal. I love when you call a player a dog, Ike. I look forward to the day that you describe a player as a cat. <laughs> no, I'm not doing I don't want to be disrespectful. <laughs> to recap, your top quarterbacks, Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh, Nevada's Carson Strong, Malik Willis from Liberty, Ole Miss's Matt Corral, Sam Howell from North Carolina, and then your sleeper pick, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. Ike, to running backs and... Oh, yeah. I'm excited to get to the running back position. Your first running back on the board. You had this player ranked higher than most draft boards that I saw. Kyron Williams from Notre Dame, a big brooding running back. And I'm not always big on player comparisons, but the player he reminded me of was Arian Foster back in the day. Oh, so you think Arian Foster, I'm thinking more of Maurice Jones-Drew. That's how I was thinking. Because this is exactly what I had in my notes about Kyron Williams. Don't let the height fool you. He's faster than what you think. Unbelievable contact balance. Best stop and start out of any of the running backs in this in this draft class. Maintain the change of direction and contact balance for a very extended long time. And does a great job on using his stiff arm. You know what I mean? His stiff arm is a Willis McGahee kind of stuff for him. And I don't know if y'all remember Willis McGahee, but when he played at, at, at Buffalo at one point in time, he gave old Ike Taylor a mean stuff for him, and I had to fix my face mask while I was going down to the ground. That's exactly what it was. So 
for me, man, when I looked at Kyron Williams, man, I was like, oh, he was the heart and soul of this whole team. Like this little Mighty Mouse guy at 5'9", damn at 200 pounds, he was the motor for this team. When they needed to play, he was the guy they went to for, for the playmaking. You want to talk about balance. You want to talk about patience. You want to talk about hands coming out the backfield. You want to talk about being elusive. You want to talk about being shifty. You want to talk about carrying the ball on the right side. If you, if I'm running to my right, I need my left my left hand open and stiff arm. And if I'm running to my left, I need my right hand open and stiff arm. If you look at some of these running backs that's coming out, they just hold the ball in in one hand the whole time, whether it's right or left. And that's got to be very instinctive. And that's what Kyron Williams did. This this guy went from 72, 80-something, 90. All his plays was big. And then when you look at the short area quickness, quickness that's, what I, that's what I like to look at. When it came down to the red zone, either he can beat you to the pile line because he's faster than you laterally, or he can just run you over because he want to get in that end zone and you're not going to tackle him. That was his mindset. But consistently when I looked at this guy, he just popped off to me more than any other running back coming out of this draft class. So I'm, I'm, I wasn't worrying about the height. I wasn't worried about the size. I was worrying about when this guy gets to the NFL, what could he do? And the first person I thought about was Maurice Jones. I think he plays bigger than his size, though. And honestly. 100%. So that's – I love that breakdown. Again, he you have Kyron Williams a lot higher than most draft boards. I, because before the start of the show, I had to check with you and I'm like, are we sure we want this is your top player? And you're like, yes. Yeah, he's 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 my he's my number one quarterback. Me and my number one running back out of this draft class. Like I said, I think he plays bigger than his size, almost like a bowling ball. And it's just like good luck trying to bring him down because he's got a little bit of everything. Ike, the player I like most is your number two running back, Ike, and that's Brees Hall from Iowa State an explosive physical runner. And so we talked before the NFL combine, Ike, I said, what are the best measures of athleticism? Because people get hung up on a fast 40 yard dash time, a 40 inch, a 40 inch vertical for Brees Hall, a 10 and a half foot broad drum, but four, three, nine in the 40. So that checks out as well. Nice hands out of the backfield as well. So you get an explosive athlete, Iowa State. You read my is, note. Well, listen, we can do some of the same research, Ike. But uh, Iowa State produced another NFL running back in, by the name of David Montgomery. So a three-year contributor at Iowa State. Again, I like him out of the backfield. And I saw a few clips where it's just like he makes something out of nothing, catching the ball out of the backfield, you know, making guys miss, catching the ball with one hand. That's not something that you typically see from the running back position of a rookie coming in. So that's what I saw. I don't mean to steal your thunder, Ike Taylor. The floor is yours. No, I had him, I had him with soft hands. I had him with the softest hands out of any uh, running back coming out this draft. That's exactly what I had him. Uh, short area quickness was off the chain. For me, when I looked at uh, Brees Hall, I saw Kareem Hunt. And we all know what a healthy Kareem Hunt do. <laughs> Kareem Hunt is hell. And that's exactly what I looked at the statue. I looked at the size. I'm not worrying about the 40 time because every time I saw him, either he was busting it for a long touchdown or every time, needed, every time they needed a first down, he was getting first down. So when you're when you 5'11", you're big as a running back. You know, when you're 217, you're strong and you're muscular. Um, for me, when I looked at uh, Bryce Hall, 
I just saw he didn't run. He didn't run hard. What I mean by running hard, you can kind of tell when guys are flat footed and they go from heel to toe, and you can kind of you can kind of tell guys who are ballerinas. For this guy to be this size and for him to be this agile because his favorite move was the spin move, mm-hmm. he was like a ballerina running, you know. So just because he was big, he was breaking away from guys who six one one seventy five. You know, so that was like every time he's pushing off, he's pushing off and he's gaining ground. He just so happened to be uh, 5'11", 217. And then when you watch the 40 time, it's like, holy moly, man, this this stuff really does match up. You know, so for me, when I watched him, I said, dang, that's Kareem Hunt. All day sitting over there in Cleveland, he's just a faster version of Kareem Hunt. Then you then you watch Kareem Hunt come out the backfield and catch passes. You're like, golly, this is exactly what Brees Hall does as well. He's out of the backfield. So it's just like a split image. So when you think about uh, Brees Hall Hall, and you think about Kareem Hunt, that's all you need to know. You know, before Kareem Hunt got got into his trouble, Kareem Hunt was one of the best running backs coming out the NFL. Then when we saw Kareem Hunt split time with Nick Chubbs, and Nick Chubbs wound up getting hurt, and you really saw the Kareem Hunt. Just think about Brees Hall. They are splitting image. Let's keep this thing rolling, Ike. Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M is your next running back. Ooh. Tall, athletic Ooh. frame. Yes, sir. Angry. I, 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 hop I, in, I, Ike. You're excited. I call, I call Isaiah Spiller angry man. He run just like Adrian Peterson. Built just like Adrian Peterson. And the crazy thing about this guy, Spiller, is he's not big when, in, in, in stature. Even though he's tall, he's tall and lanky but he likes to run in between the tackles. And when he's running in between the tackles, he's running mad as I don't know what. That's what I like about him. So he got that quick burst right now, Mark. He got that zero to 60 right now, even though that zero to 60 might be at 80 miles per hour and not the 120 miles, he getting there and he getting there mad upset and he's getting there fast. But usually you don't see tall running backs who like to run in between the tackles. This guy loved to run in between the tackles. And if you want to go laterally, he'll beat you on the sideline to the pylon to the end zone. Easily. Easily. He didn't have a lot of long games. He didn't have the, the 40 to 50 to 60-yard touchdown runs because guys were able to catch up with him. But I don't want that for my running back. I got this from a Reese Jones group. When when was Chris when Chris Johnson, and he just came on, he just came on the show. When Chris Johnson just came on the show, and they said he lost his, they say he lost his, uh, his speed running the four three nine. That's when I knew I don't want to run. A, I don't want to have a running back who run fast. Because once you get to them four twos and them four threes, and they say four fours too slow, it's an issue. <laughs> it's a problem. So just give me a running back who can get me nothing but first downs. Give me a Le'Veon Bell. Give me a Kareem Hunt. If I need a Nick Chubbs, give me a Nick Chubbs. I don't want a home run hitter. And this is exactly what Spiller was at Texas a and But, Mark, when you watch him, he runs so mad. But he went, but he runs like a short person in between the tackle. Usually short guys who are built low to the ground, they have really quick and good feet. Tall guys, it takes them a while to gather their feet. Spiller, on the other hand, hell no. Nah. The only thing I didn't like was <laughs> – I didn't, I didn't see enough tape of him coming out the backfield and using his hands. He's just more of a body catcher than anything. But for me, the comparison was Adrian Peterson, young Adrian Peterson. 
You get the best of both worlds there, Ike. I love that. Oh, yeah. 100%. All right, Ike. Number four, you've got Kenneth Walker the third from Michigan State. One note I had about Walker, and I don't know if this was a design okay. of the Michigan State offense or if this is something he'll need to develop at the pro level. Need some work as a pass catcher out of the backfield. Just 19 receptions in three seasons uh, as a player on the Spartans. And so that's one thing I noticed. But it's coming off a season where he was probably the most productive running back in all of college football in the 2021 season. The Doak Walker Award winner. More than 1,600 yards on the ground, 18 touchdowns as well. So a very productive player for Michigan State this past season. But what I want to see develop is can he catch swing passes? Can he help out in the passing game as a pass catcher? I mean, when you just when you just have a guy who just has a nose for the end zone, I mean, he, 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 found, he found the end zone every game. That's exactly what – you know, Kenneth Walker the third did. And that's just something that you can't coach. It's a, you can't coach speed. You can't coach height. You can't coach heart. But when you when you find a guy who lives in the end zone and that was Walker the third, this is exactly what he did. But for me, it was the change of direction. Like he crossed from one side to the other side of the field. That's what gave me a question mark. In the NFL, you're not going to be able to do that. You know, you got to stay play side. Now, when you get past the linebackers and you want to go from the right to the left, then maybe. But for me, man, that's what I saw a lot with Walker the third, man. Him just, you know, changing whole, the whole side of the field. If the right side was all the way backed up, he changed to the whole other side to the left and he wound up scoring with some help of some receivers and some tight ends blocking down for But it was just the knack. Um, of the end zone, which wowed me. So I understood why he, you know, was up for the Bill Walker Award. Because, man, it's just hard finding a guy who just got a nose for the red zone. And he he, he has good size as well. Good uh, short area quickness as well. The hands part for me, too, was an issue. Um, he didn't get the ball that much coming out the backfield. You know, nowadays in 2022, you know, your running back got to be able to come out that backfield in some situations, play that receiver position, that fourth or fifth receiver, depending on what kind of offense you go to. But, man, you want to talk about power, speed, um, being elusive, and just having a nose for the end zone. Him, Walker the third, probably out of all the running backs, he just found a way to get in the end zone. And that's just something you can't coach. So, yeah, you can look at his 40 time. You can look at his broad jump. You can look at his vertical, and it's not going to wow you. But when you pop in the tape, you're like, damn, I got to have this kid because I know – if I need to play or if I need to get in the end zone, he's one of the only guys out of this draft class that has a nose for the end zone. We talked about how explosive Brees Hall was from mm -hmm. Iowa State a little bit earlier, Ike. Similar numbers for Kenneth Walker the third, a 4.38 in the 40, a 34-inch vertical jump that was a little bit worse than Hall, and then his broad jump 10 feet 2 inches. That's also a few inches behind Hall as well, but he did have a better 40 times. So we talked about how explosive Hall was. Walker yeah. also a very explosive player out of the backfield right. as well. We've got two SEC players to round out your your top five and then your sleeper pick, Ike. James Cook from Georgia. What did you see from the Bulldogs running back this past season? I mean, just a faster brother of his, uh, I mean, faster version of his brother, Dalvin Cook, you know, just very shifty, not that big in stature. Um, 
play with extremely good pad level, extremely good pad level. He's more of a receiver coming out of the backfield better than anybody in the draft class because that's exactly how they used him in Georgia. You know, he 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 ran angle routes. Uh, he lined up as the fourth receiver. It was just naturally, it was just flowing with him. They ran him on wheel routes, 30-yard wheel routes. So, for me, man, when I looked at James Cook, I'm like, dang, he's just a faster, faster version of his brother. How in the heck did he get out of the state of Florida? <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what, what I looked at. But when, when I looked at him, my comparison uh, for him was, dang, I, it just slipped my mind. Uh, let me fill here, Ike, and it'll come back to you. I'm putting that out there. Georgia is like running back you now in the NFL, Ike, because you've got all these Georgia running backs. It's like every year, it's like, oh, which Georgia running backs come into the league, whether it's Chubb, Todd Gurley back in the day. If you go way back in the day, Herschel Walker, Garrison Hurst. But James Cook is just going to continue that tradition because Georgia is known as running back you. I hope this has come back to you. You're looking down right now, Ike, is it? Work done. There we go. I filled. I filled for you. See how it's done. There you go. I appreciate. Yeah, I, I drew a blank. But for me, it was like a work done. You know, when I when I looked at Dalvin, I mean, uh, James, I was like, okay, he he's bigger than work done. But for me, a reminder was the work done. Him coming out of the backfield, him being elusive, um, him having home runs, but at the same time, for his size, he didn't mind stuff sticking his head in the fan when it came down to these third and fours. Uh, he was one of the only guys I saw that can make three or four guys miss off of a straight line. Even though he's small in stature, he's a north and south kind of runner, which is which is kind of hard because I remember playing running back in college, which people don't know my junior. But I was I was I was a, a one cut north and south runner. I just didn't let nobody really get a clean shot on him. They used to be mad at me like I want you just to want you to take it like a man. I'm like no, I'm not stupid. I'm just trying to preserve my body, young man. Hell, what you talking about? But this is exactly what James Cook does, man. James Cook was the opposite of Ike Taylor when Ike Taylor was playing running back, man. He don't mind he don't mind contact, but he's not going to take a full blow. He knows how to get skinny in between the tackles, and that's good for him. But, yeah, when I looked at him, man, I, my comparison was a work done, an old running back from, uh, from Florida State, but he just was a faster version of his brother, Davin Cook. Uh, probably some of the softest hands in the draft class. You can damn, you can for sure use him as a receiver coming out the backfield. I always like when there's family ties in the league, Ike, because a player like that's going to know what the expectations are mm-hmm. and what it means to be a professional because they have that relationship of you know a brother, father, cousin, family member already in the league. So that connection with the Cook brother, the Cook brothers backfield, like oh, like all the analogies I could make about chefs and good cooking and delicious food, the marketing possibilities are mm-hmm. endless. I would love to see both of them in the same backfield. Right, you can take off with that one. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay, final running back, your sleeper pick, Damian Pierce from the Florida Gators. Rounding out our top running backs, IT, what'd you see in Damian Pierce? Man, Damian Pierce is an old pigeon-toed, 100-pound sticker, Ike Taylor, who just want to play football. <laughs> that's exactly what he was. There's nothing that's going to wow you about this guy. His 40 ain't going to be spectacular. His broad jump, for sure, ain't going to be spectacular. And his vertical ain't going to be spectacular at all. And when you want to talk about a guy, he's a Le'Veon Bell for me, minus the hands. 
that's how I looked at Pierce. You know, a guy who's going to get you four or five yards every play just about. So he really wasn't a sleeper for me. He was just a guy, when I saw him, I saw a Le'Veon. I saw a Le'Veon Bell. Not as shifty as a Le'Veon Bell because Le'Veon can rock you to sleep, but he can rock you to sleep. Uh, also, Pierce can rock you to sleep when he needed to. Um, my only question mark was, you know, his 40 time, his coming out of the backfield, catching the ball, and uh, just you can tell he was kind of heavy. So earlier during the season in Florida, he was heavy. Later on during the season, you can you kind of tell he lost weight. So for me, it was being a question mark on taking care of your body. And, you know, I'm huge into that. And I can see that on tape, a guy who take care of his body, um, a guy who's serious about their craft and what they want to do. So for me, man, Pierce, uh, because he's close, he's an hour and 15 minutes away. I saw I saw him on a uh, on a drive board, so I said I had to give him a huge shout out. But there is nothing that he's going to wire. But if you're looking for somebody who's going to come in and give you four or five yards per carry consistently, for me, I thought this was Pierce. He's a football player. I can just looking. You see the four five nine forty. Sometimes players play faster than what Correct. they measure out in the NFL combine, or as I like to call it, the underwear Olympics. So there's times where it's just like they can look good when none of the pads are on. How does a player perform when you pop on the tape or you put pads on? Because, you know, you're not in, you know, uh, uh, short shorts in a, in a sleeveless cutoff, you know, when you're actually playing the sport. So right. that production too at the SEC, I'm certainly biased as an SEC grad myself, but to me, when you're going up against an SEC defense, that's the most comparable thing that the college level yeah. has to NFL defenses. So I'm with you there, Ike. No, I agree 100%, Mark. IT, we're going to keep this rolling uh, on Monday. So this episode's due out on Friday. Uh, on Friday, on Monday, we will have top five wide receivers and tight ends in the 2022 draft as we continue our position-by-position position breakdown leading up to the NFL draft, which is from April the 28th through the 30th. But we're wrapping up here. I'm really excited because Masters is going to be well underway by the time everyone hears this. A lot of great content ahead here on Believe in Steelers, Ike, and I got to give you a shout-out. Your analysis is the absolute best, and I'm telling you this right now to the listeners and the viewers. Tune in and continue to listen to our show because – there are going to be names Ike brings up, and you're going to think he's out of his skull for ranking some of the players he has so high. And then later in the season, you're going to be like, I heard it here first from the man himself, Ike Taylor. No, Mark, I appreciate you. want to appreciate, uh, of course, betonline.ag. Um, want to appreciate, you know, Believe Network. Got to appreciate, you know, uh, Briggs TV and Miss Courtney and her staff. Got, want to thank everybody for viewing and listening. Make sure y'all give us a five-piece, a five-star rating. Um, very insightful with a lot of personality between Mark and I. That's why we work so good, so well for so long. Um, and make sure y'all ask, you know, believe in that work to give us a raise because that's exactly what we need and looking for at the same time. But no, nah, this is this is this is my field house when it comes down to this drafting. Um, I take pride in this. I put a lot of hard work and homework into watching these guys come out and seeing where they might go and giving them grades. So just want to thank everybody for listening, tuning in to Mark and I, all our viewers and everybody who's been with us since day one. I appreciate that. Appreciate that, especially betonline.ag. Uh, again, want to thank the Believe Network for giving us, Mark and I, an opportunity 
And thanks for Miss Courtney and her crew from Brinks TV just making us look so good and professional when it come down to this. So, Mark, take off. As you like to say, Ike, 100. <laughs> for Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for listening and watching the Believe It Steelers podcast, the Believe It Steelers show. We will see you next week on Monday. Top receivers and tight ends in the 2022 draft. Until then, take care and so long, everybody. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.